Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome. You're watching Destination Draft Day. I am here joined with Nick and Brian, and we got a huge day filled with great NFL, college football, and NFL draft coverage. Nick, Brian, how's it going, guys? It's going great now that the crew's back together. We've had some missing each other on Fridays with, with work and whatnot, but uh, what a powerful trio here. As good as it gets for Landry Football, LandryFootball.com. And, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a wild week uh, with, with football. And, you know, we had some action, Brian, of course. So a lot of people were in on the, on the Mac bets. But, you know, every, everybody's is going football crazy now. The spots on football. And for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college, to NFL, from recruiting, to NHL, NFL draft. Free agency from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop of players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining and please help us spread the word. As you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. Of course, we're going to be getting into some Pac-12 talk. Uh, Brian's very nervous as his Notre Dame is taking on Clemson, but big advantage there at the quarterback position. Not really an advantage, but they don't have to deal with Trevor Lawrence. But let's first talk about my New York Giants who are hanging tight and they want Trevor Lawrence. They're really they're going for it, Brian. They're going to try to take it from the Jets. The, the Jets, I guarantee the Jets are going to win week 16 versus the Patriots. I have a feeling that, get, or 17, you know, they get the Patriots and the Browns. Because if the Patriots and the Browns are both out of it by then, you just know the Jets are going to come through in the clutch to destroy their chances to get Trevor Lawrence. Giants, I don't know what, they might be the best uh, one-win team in the league. Because, yeah, you know, if you look at the spread anyway, Brian, the Giants, just incredible versus the spread this year. Unlike the Cowboys, who are going for history this week, oh, if they, they could be the first team to go 0-9 against the spread. Even the Jets came and pulled that off. Uh, so, yeah, I think we could talk about that, for, that game first, Michael. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, still looks good. But overall, I don't know. I mean, the Buccaneers, other than the game versus the Packers this year, they haven't like been, like, so impressive to me that I'm like, they're definitely the best team. Uh Next week, this weekend, huge game versus the, the Saints. I'm leaning towards the Saints in that one. Maybe we'll get to that later on. But what did you think uh, from, from that game? Were you more impressed with the the Buccaneers or were you kind of like, eh, well, it's the Giants that should have blew them out? I think this is kind of the football that follows Tom Brady and it's a controlled game of football. It's never really one that's dominant, especially in his later career. We aren't seeing this guy – put up these big numbers and these big outings, really. Uh, we obviously saw that against the Packers. But for the most part, his biggest thing is just, I'm going to control the clock. I'm going to get this ball to, you know, wherever it needs to be. But we aren't going to be this flashiest offense in the world in the NFL or anything. And I think we just saw another example of that. Yes, there's injuries to this receiving group. But still having Mike Evans and Gronk, you should be able to put up points. And 
I think it's just what Brady is now, and he's kind of a game manager, but he's the smartest game manager out there, so it's still successful in winning games. He went to the Bucks knowing that there's a lot of talent on this roster all throughout, whether it's offensively or defensively. So, you know, being able to control the clock is still a huge part of the NFL, so I don't think the game was as much in question until, you know, that last drive, but I think it's just one of those things that, this is what Brady is right now in his career, and it's we're just going to get through this game. We're going to play it smart, and he's he's done a good job of that, and he's limited his turnovers in a very turnover-friendly system, so it's, it's still props to him, and he's still look good. And we'll see what happens with Antonio Brown now, who is going to add a whole other wrinkle there. To You know he's talented on the field. I have no doubt about it. He's still good on the field, but is he going to start complaining because Evans is the top target and he's still looking towards Gronk in the red zone and maybe they want to run the ball out with Fournette? You know, we'll see how they, they're slowly working back into there. But I think, Brian, the big story of the game is that Daniel Jones is just not the guy for the Giants moving forward. Yeah, and I, not that you're biased against Daniel Jones or anything. But, uh, no, you're 100% right in the sense where the turnovers that Daniel Jones has every single week uh, they're terrible. Um, and and But I do, will say something complimentary about the Giants is that despite a bunch of – they make a couple of silly mistakes, whether it's the quarterback or elsewhere, every single game, yet nearly every single game they find themselves maybe not within winning range, but you know they're good at covering the spread like you said, but they don't seem to get blown out. With the exception of that 49ers game, that is the only game that the Giants were really blown out of the water. In every other position, they are bereft of talent just in comparison to the teams that they play, but they play really hard. So, you know, maybe Daniel Jones is showing you that he's not the guy, but is Joe Judge showing you that he is the guy? Yeah, I think with Joe Judge, it's interesting because it's kind of weird. If you look at the Giants' schedule and their record so far, uh, other than the 49ers game and really, like, I guess this game and the the game they won, those are the games they had no business winning (laughs) and they were not playing well in those games. Every other game, they had a, at some point the chance to win the game. Uh, obviously, they could have tied the game versus the Buccaneers. They didn't play well enough, and Washington should have won, but they went for two, and well, the rematch coming up. But the Giants—they've been playing well, and you know they're terrible record-wise. But it took until this week to, for there to be any sort of locker room issues when Golden Tate had a one-day suspension. So you got to give Joe Judge credit there as to, to, to holding the guys together. Uh, but you're you're right, Joe. Uh, you're right, Brian. They're bereft of, ta- of talent there. Uh, the offensive line has not looked good, other than Zeitler. Uh, Hernandez seems to have regressed a little, and Michael. It's looking like that number, you know, four pick on Thomas at this point was was the wrong one. He looked pretty good against the Bucks, so he had a pretty good outing in that regard. Did well against Jason Pierre-Paul. I think uh, you know when you look at this Giants team, for sure, right now there's no reason to be excited, but. If I had to pick anyone in the NFC East that wasn't the Eagles, I mean, it it seems clear to me that the Giants at least seem the most competitive out of everyone. I know Washington, you know, some people can try to say this defense has some talent in the front seven, whatever. Terry McLaurin's great, but I'm never going to trust Kyle Allen to lead anyone to playoffs. So this Giants team still has some hope. I don't think they're going to end up picking number two. I think they have way too many win opportunities on their schedule to get through it. I think we'll see a team like the Jaguars, maybe someone else picking number two. But Cowboys, overall, maybe. Yeah, Cowboys still very much in play as well. Overall, though, I think this is a good step forward as a first season for Joe Judge. And I'm excited to see what happens going forward. Yeah, I think unless they get the first pick, Daniel Jones is back next year. Uh, they're going to stick with him at least for his for his first four years. We'll, be, we'll, we'll see how they, what they do after next year. But I don't think they're going to be moving on because they're going to just say, oh, well, we got Dale Jones. They really think Justin Fields or Trey Lance are going to be that much, much better. You know, maybe they get they get Taylor from uh, from BYU, who Michael says to watch. But, uh, you know, yeah, down the road with him. But uh, I don't know. I, I just don't see them, you know, taking another quarterback unless they're picking first overall, Michael. If they pick two, I feel like they may have to go Fields. He has put on a show this year, and I think he's just shown so much talent. His passing has already improved. One of the biggest issues for him was just figuring out if he had the necessary arm strength to succeed at the next level. He was already a great playmaker. And, you know, there's still some issues on, you know, transitioning to the NFL from that Ohio State offense, really where he's reading mostly just one side of the field. 
But I think he's shown so much as a playmaker and as a passer that you almost have to take this guy in and really see what he has. Yeah, maybe uh, yeah, I, the Giants, you know, they could be looking for a quarterback. We, I think Washington's probably picking a quarterback uh, unless they, you know, make a, a run to the playoffs, then they probably look towards free agency for a quarterback. Uh, Texans aren't drafting a quarterback. Jaguars probably take a quarterback. Uh, Jets, if they had the first pick to get a quarterback. I don't know if the, if the Jets, you know, move on from Donald if it's not – if it's not Trevor Lawrence, what do you what do you think, Brian? I know you're a big believer in Donald. Do you think it's really makes sense to, to move off from Donald if it's not Lawrence? No, I mean, well, if Donald doesn't show you enough by the end of this by the end of the season, then you have to consider moving on, um, no matter what. But if uh, I wouldn't be drafting a quarterback at the top of the draft that wasn't Trevor Lawrence, if I was the Jets, if I was the Jets and ended up with say the number two pick and the team in front of you was going to take Lawrence, I would trade out of that pick and try to get the biggest haul possible for a team that has to fill, I don't know, approximately a million holes. So, um, you know, I do, I I have been a a believer in Sam Darnold. Um, It's, we've said it a million times before uh, teams with no talent, it gets very tough to uh, judge guys, but I'm also not going to stick up for Darnold when he's not playing well. And now he's also banged up and he's hurt, which makes it even tougher um, because the team can't even protect him, with the exception of Makai Becton. One thing I'll just say quickly about Daniel Jones is that uh, you see it all the time. You see talented quarterbacks because he does have some talent. He can move the ball down the field against defenses that he probably shouldn't but we've seen it year in and year out that guys that have talent and that can move the ball but just have a problem with turning it over will get more chances you know Jameis Winston is probably going to get the chance to start at quarterback in the NFL for somebody at some point I don't know where I don't know when not exactly sure well I do know why it's because the talent part is there and he got eye surgery so maybe somebody will think that you know, the uh, the turnovers won't be as plentiful as they were before. But my point with Jones is that they can try to teach him to make the right decisions, but you can't teach the talent and the ability to move an offense that has no talent down the field. So at the very least, he's able to do that, which might buy him that extra season. Yeah, I think you got to like Jones's mobility. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously he, he's tripping over his own feet, but uh, for the most part, you know, this guy moves – like few other quarterbacks in the league. And he's actually been clocked at the fastest running time this year from all quarterbacks. That's including Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, which is hard to believe. So he's, he's got that. But it just seems like he, he can't sense the pocket pressure. How much of that is a rookie, you know, left tackle? I don't know. But, uh, you know, the Giants here, Darnold has no weapons. The Giants going into the season have weapons all over the place. Shepard, Tate, Slayton, uh, Saquon Barkley, he's out. But you know what? Wayne Gallman's been pretty damn good as a substitute. But I think the other issue is Evan Ingram. It's just, uh, you know, they think he's part of the future. But the guy cannot block and he can't catch. So I don't know what what his value is there. But circling back to the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, Ryan, what if the Cowboys call up Joe Douglas and say, we'll give you Dak Prescott and three first-round picks for the first pick? What do you do? He would give Dak Prescott and three future first-round picks for the number one overall pick. Something along those lines, yeah, for Trevor Lawrence. Yes. That's the rumors out there right now. Dak Prescott isn't going to come back and ask for the same $40 million a year that he was asking for you know, a year ago when he was turning down Jerry Jones's offer, I would do that in a heartbeat. Dak Prescott is a talented quarterback that, you know, if you put, if you, I think, uh, yes, I would like three first round picks. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 I don't know if you saw that, Michael, that that's kind of like a minor rumor out there right now, which is, oh, maybe Jerry Jones wants to get Lawrence. So he, cause he can't think he can't sign Prescott. So he, he tries to trade up. But I think the thing with Prescott is like, you know, he's probably going to end up on the franchise again next year because it's too risky to sign him to a long-term deal coming off, off that injury, Michael. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys do there. Yeah, I've been, I've been saying that for a few weeks, actually. I've been saying I think that if anyone's going to try to swing something as crazy as that, it's Jerry Jones, and he'd probably throw in Prescott, Gallup, and a couple first-round picks. I don't know if 
it would be three. I think maybe that maybe throwing in Gallup would be able to offset some of the picks that he has to warn in the future. Maybe throwing a couple mid rounders, but I think I think uh, adding in Trevor Lawrence to this roster would definitely keep Cowboys looking pretty competitive. The biggest issue though is trying to figure out how you fix your secondary from there. If they were able to keep on to a second round pick, third round pick, they could probably add in a talented corner. But I think the biggest thing is trying to work around your contracts that you have on your roster and try to bring in a vet. Work with uh, Trayvon Diggs, Chidobia Woozy, and really trying to get a. Uh, a veteran presence in that secondary to really improve everything that's going on right now. Cause right now it is not very good. Not looking good there. Uh, and then Thursday night football looking good for the, the Packers at a big bounce back win. Rogers right back in the MVP race with Brady Wilson and Wilson with Kyler Murray, probably a little behind the three of them. Uh, Reese probably in consideration as well, but uh, 49ers they're ravished. Uh, so maybe you don't want to, you know, give them too much credit, the Packers, but damn, Michael, Aaron Rodgers looked really good. And I think uh, the Packers drafting love has just sparked Aaron Rodgers this season. And he's, he's been, you know, back on another level. And, you know, like he said in the Pat McAfee show a while back, a down season for me is, is a career year for most quarterbacks. Yeah. And I didn't love the idea of drafting Jordan love. I think it's just one of those situations where they said, look, while we have this team in place, we're never going to have the great spots pick a quarterback. So if we love someone, we have to get them now, even if it's a little early. I don't know what the play is with Aaron Rodgers right now, whether it's a one-year thing, a two-year thing, a three-year thing, or they just let him go until he retires. The biggest thing, though, is they have drafted their future at QB, and now it's just kind of figuring out how they play it forward. I think until Rodgers is gone, they're a contender. They're obviously a great team in the NFC, and with this roster, they definitely have options. But at the same time, it's hard not to look at the needs that they definitely ignored and instead kind of pushed out some of their star players in order to draft, whether it's Jordan Love in the first or A.J. Dillon in the second, when you have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones that are extremely talented players on this roster. I get the idea that you maybe don't want to pay the price tag that comes with Aaron Jones, but at the same time, what are you what are you doing with a guy like Jamal Williams on your roster if you're just going to let him be a contributing back, but you're not going to allow him to have that chance? I think running back as a whole is a position that you can draft year of and still get that same success out of in the draft from that first year of the NFL. So it just felt like they kind of ignored what was necessary going forward for this team and instead kind of planned for the future. And now I mean, we'll see if it bites them or not, but I, I could definitely see it being something that a lot of fans will hold against the front office whenever playoff comes and, you know, Devontae Adams is being double covered and Robert Tanyan and Marquez Valdez-Scantling aren't producing as, as well as someone else may have. Brian, what do you think the Packers do? Do you think do you think there's any chance this is Rodgers last year or is it going to be he'll play on his contract? and then they're just going to not sign him? Or do you think they maybe you know look to trade him a la Brett Favre to the Jets? Yeah, it's a little uh, interesting that you know they even drafted the quarterback to begin with, right? Uh, because I was under the impression that this was a – well, it is a little like the full Tom Brady New England situation. He will be there, and he will play for the Packers for as long as Aaron Rodgers wants to play for the Packers. And they will end up trading Jordan Love just like the Packers did with Garoppolo before they boot out Aaron Rodgers to put Jordan Love into the game. Uh, I Because, I mean, if they did that, it would be a little bit of an admission that drafting Love probably wasn't the best move. So I'm not actually sure that they – go through with that but I do think it's highly unlikely that they try to force Rodgers out of there before he's ready to go especially you know their best player is Devontae Adams he is especially one-on-one he is uncoverable and I mean best player besides Aaron Rodgers like and they love playing with 
one another. I think if you piss off one, you piss off the other. And I'm not exactly sure that that's the direction that they want to go. It seems like whatever issues that LaFleur and Rodgers may have had in the beginning of last year has been smoothed over. And you guys know that winning cures everything. And as long as you're winning, anything that's bubbling under the surface is not going to rise to the top. So this team went to the NFC Championship game last year. And to be honest, who says that they can't go do it again? I mean, they need to improve uh, on defense, especially stopping the run, because they can be exploited that way. And they were uh, by San Francisco last year. But, you know, while this team is winning and while they're clearly going to win the NFC North, I don't think any of those problems really come up. Yeah, maybe the issue is just uh, Danica Patrick. I don't know. She's out of the picture now. Maybe bring back Olivia Munn when he was an MVP and uh, and uh, went to the Super Bowl. But I believe the, the Packers have an out on Rodgers' contract. I don't know if it's before or after the 2022 season. So uh, certainly Rodgers is going to be the quarterback next year. No doubt about it. Uh, if he somehow is available, you know Bill Belichick is going to be the guy that's going to call and get him right away, um, I, I would think. But, again, Rodgers is going to be 40, right? So he's going to – Pull a Brady and say, I'm going where I can win because I want to win. Uh, and that's going to be interesting. But, yeah, I think it worked at Rodgers where he sat for three or four years. So I don't expect – I don't see any reason why they'd have to, you know, quickly move on to love love there. Um, and now, I guess, on the 49ers side, they're not going to make the playoffs. So they're going to be picking in, in the mid middle of the first round. Michael, uh, obviously, they have a lot of injuries. So what would be, like, a need for them to be addressing in, in the in the draft? Well, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at where they may need to replace eventually. And you look at whether it's the cornerback position where Richard Sherman obviously is getting older as the years go by. And they may want to look at a position like that where a guy can come in, maybe that first year kind of being a reserve role where he's getting limited reps, but still learning under some great corners and then stepping into that position. Or they could look at a spot like quarterback where a lot of fans are not happy with what they've seen out of Jimmy Garoppolo and they want to see a new guy kind of step in. With the roster setup they currently have, you could very easily see why a rookie contract at the quarterback position would be beneficial in order to keeping this defense intact. I was going to ask you if, if if they're picking the middle of the round and they have to move up maybe two or three spots for Trey Lance, do you think that's something that you could, you could see, see happening there? I think it's definitely a possibility. I think Trey Lance comes from a similar situation in North Dakota State where yeah, he's this great quarterback, but at the same time, he was never asked to do too much, and I think that's one of the biggest things of Kyle Shanahan's offense is you don't want to depend on the QB to be your entire offense. And as long as you stick to the scheme, keep things limited, keep things also just you know really risk-free for the most part, it's going to make this offense really flow as well as it has as we've seen it at its peak. And Trey Lance has done that very well at North Dakota State, and he has so much – skill set and tools that really allow you to elevate this offense to not only kind of a game manager spot at the QE position, but also just a great contributor to the offense like we saw with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting there. And, um, you know, Brian, I've been saying this for a few weeks now. I think that if the 49ers let go of Garoppolo, I'd be surprised if, if the Patriots don't sign him to be their, their quarterback next year. But uh, what do you what do you think about – Garoppolo or maybe perhaps if Jacoby Brissett's available, Belichick bringing them back, or do you think he sticks it out with a guy like Newton? Or Because I, I, don't, I don't think the Patriots are going to be looking to draft a quarterback in the first round. I think Belichick doesn't really feel like he has the time to develop a new quarterback uh, you know, as, as a rookie. I think he wants to try to turn around real quick and win right next year. But uh, I guess just your thoughts overall on the whole quarterback situation with the Patriots. Yeah, and uh, obviously being a Patriots fan, like Michael could speak to this, like what's happening this season is not normal for the Patriots. They are stepping into a uncharted waters for the last you know couple of decades, certainly uh, with Bill Belichick. So if we think that he's just going to sit around and just run it back next year like this, uh, you know, anybody would be mistaken. He is going to sign somebody. I'm not 100% sure they would give up on, on uh, Newton, even though, you know, Cam hasn't really played that well, but it's really um, a lot of the surrounding positions also. And, you know, Belichick talks about the salary cap and if he has more money to fill in those uh, surrounding positions, I think he'd still be willing to go with a quarterback like Cam Newton or 
you know, whether he'd sign Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett once again, you know, I'm not really sure of those guys specifically, but I think you're thinking along the right lines that he isn't yeah. going to trade up and draft somebody or or sign a big name free agent quarterback. I think the Patriots are going to look to spend their money um, surrounding the offense with talent that they don't seem to have right now. Yeah, Michael, I was surprised they didn't sign Andy Dalton. I thought that'd be kind of like the system type of quarterback that Belichick would be looking for, but uh, I think Michael with Newton, if he ends up playing well the rest of the season, he's going to outprice himself for the Patriots because he's he's only on the Patriots because he's making $500,000 in cap. So I, I, I don't envision a scenario where he's playing so well that another team wouldn't sign him. And I think if he's playing really bad, then you know the Patriots are going to be like, why would I want to bring this guy back? But you're the Patriots fan here, so – what do you think is going to happen with the quarterback position for the Patriots moving forward? Or, hey, is the future quarterback perhaps on the roster already? Well, I mean, I think if he plays well, the Patriots could look into potentially bringing him back. I think with the current money situation, this year is a big year where they can finally get the option to spend in free agency, really get out there and put some money into some other positions, and QB is probably one of them. So if Newton does really well, they probably tag him, see one more year, see what they have in him. Uh but at the same time, there are other options that Bill is definitely going to at least just see about. We already talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. But uh, there's another number 12 that comes to mind that not a lot of people are thinking about. But the second it, it starts getting rumored, I think people are saying, oh, God, Bill's about to do it again. And that's Andrew Luck. His contract is expired Absolutely. for Indianapolis. And I could see Bill saying, hey, you've had two years off. I understand that Indianapolis, you know, you didn't have the greatest relationship with the front office. We have the pieces in place to protect you. We'll be sure to invest in getting weapons for you. What do you say you come play for us for two years, three years, whatever you want to do, and you be the quarterback in New England? And you I know, think you I'm sound just like Andrew. You, Lutz, you sound just like Bill there. That that was exact pitch <laughs> to that. Bill. Also, I'm not trying to be like a Lakers fan that's saying, oh, everyone that has any potential is going to the Patriots. But when you're a guy that loves football like Andrew Luck does, it's hard to turn down arguably the greatest coach of all time when he says, I want you to be my quarterback. And yes, he may McDaniel's just stay out because gets, of all the injuries. McDaniels finally the, gets to get call plays for Andrew Luck. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, he's, he's retired because of injuries and he's said multiple times that he's done, but it's happened before. We've seen Gronk say all year, oh, I'm not coming back. He teased a little bit to the media just to be, you know, Gronk about it. But we've seen players come out of retirement and play again. Andrew Luck is an option. I'm sure once the offseason gets going, we're going to see some big rumor blow up. It probably won't even happen, but it will be something that ESPN talks about every day. Fox News talks about every day. CBS talks about every day. I like and we just it. see every football channel talk about it. But I do think that Bill is going to try and ring up Andrew Luck try to ring up the Packers about Aaron Rodgers, see about Jacoby Brissett, see about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to try to find an option that he thinks fits what he wants to do. And I think Andrew Luck is the ideal situation. So, it, you know, you aren't giving up anything besides money, but we'll see what happens. What do you think, Brian? Do you think Andrew Luck plays again, whether it be with the Patriots or the Colts or somebody else? I hope so. Me too. I hope so. Um, and the one thing, the immediate thing I thought of when Michael said that was just like, first was like, oh, that would be pretty awesome. Even like as a Jets fan, like it would just be Andrew Luck. There's not many more just likable people in sports than Andrew Luck, especially everything that he's gone through uh, and a little bit of how he was treated when he decided to retire. Um by some of the people in Indianapolis. Uh, but I guess think the first thing I thought of is that if there is uh, still any outlasting issue with his shoulder, um, he's only played in a dome. And I think that from a physical throwing standpoint, you have to make sure that he is physically going to be able to stretch a defense enough to make your offense, um, you know, effective. But if there's anybody that can do that, it's Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Michael, I think the Colts are going to be looking for a quarterback too in the draft. Yeah, I'm not a huge Rivers guy. I think they could definitely be looking to replace – not replace, but maybe just looking for a young quarterback to eventually either step in or be that guy immediately. They have Jacob Eason on roster who's an option. There's been a lot of rumors about Sam Darnold. That's where his landing spot would be. And then there's other options throughout the league. I mean, whether it's a guy like Jameis Winston or a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo that could potentially fill in in the spot. I think ultimately, though, 
they're probably going to be in a bad spot to try to draft a QB unless you're looking at a guy like Mac Jones, which I think potentially rises in stock. But I think right now he could potentially be an early second, late second, late first round guy. That kind of reminds me of a Derek Carr in terms of prospect and what they offer. So I think, you know, if you're Indianapolis and you're looking to draft a QB, it's guys like Zach Wilson, Mac, Mac Jones, and Kyle Trask that aren't as high in terms of draft stock right now that you're probably eyeing if you are looking to draft a quarterback. Yeah, no doubt about it. I was a little surprised that they weren't interested in Mariota at all this offseason, but definitely understand getting Rivers. Uh, but Rivers is probably one or two years left max, so they're going to look to the future. But I'll get to the future. Brian, we got some huge college football games this weekend. Uh, of course, your team is playing the, the game of the year. Uh, and I think if if Notre Dame wins this game, Clemson's still getting into the college football playoff. Uh, so there's a lot of scenarios come out of this one. But what are some of the, the big games we're looking at this week, Michael and Brian? So for the first game, we got one that happens tonight, and that is BYU versus Boise State, a huge matchup for both teams. Both teams currently undefeated. For BYU, this is probably the biggest matchup left on their schedule and if they are to win this game, they will likely go undefeated on the season and then find themselves most likely in a very big bowl game, potentially rumored for a playoff spot. Not sure if the committee would really be accepting of it, but they have definitely made a strong case. I think the game overall should be very fun. A little late happening at 945 Eastern, so you're going to have to take a little five-hour energy to stay up for it, but... <laughs> For all you uh, sleepy guys out there that love football, this is definitely one to check out. Who doesn't love Boise State's football field? Brian, why don't you give yeah. us a little info on the uh, spread here? Yeah, uh, Boise State. I mean, the blue field is a reason to turn on the game just by itself, right? But it's, it's just an interesting one, right? Because Boise State's only played two games and BYU's played seven and you don't normally get um, a mismatch in just the amount that teams have played. Um, I can't help but look squarely at, and I know Michael's talk more about him, but you know, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, his numbers are gaudy. I think he's got 19 touchdowns and like two picks and completes 75% of his passes. He's and, making the case to be the next giants quarterback. <laughs> maybe if you're, if you're so lucky, Nick, but, um, but uh, you know, Boise just hasn't been tested at all. They played Portland state and Utah state. Um, you know, this line was around three yesterday and it's been bumped up to three and a half or even four points. So that's, I'm sorry, that's BYU giving away those points. So, you know, the sharp better seem to be inclined for BYU and, and, and I would be also just, um, you know, in the beginning of your season, there's always, um, there's always some questions and, you know, we don't have all the answers from BYU, from Boise state yet, but we have a lot of answers from BYU. For players to watch, obviously Zach Wilson is one of them. You look at this guy as a phenom in the college football level, looking to also elevate his draft stock. There's no better defense that he's going to be facing, at least at the moment, until we see if the bowl games happen and just who he would play. There's no one better than Boise State on the defensive side of things that he'll face off against, so it is a huge adding to really evaluate Zach Wilson in full and see what he can do. Next up, we got Kiris Tonga the nose tackle for BYU, great at stopping the run, great at just get off in terms of snap, like right at the snap, he's getting off the ball immediately. Definitely a player to watch. And then for the next one who we haven't talked about because of the lack of games this season, Riley Wimpy for Boise State. He is anything but, though. He is a dominant linebacker for Boise State. And, you know, the last dominant one was LVE. And aside from the neck injury, he was phenomenal at the NFL level. Look out for Riley Wimpy to potentially be a great mid-round guy for the linebacker position. For our next game, we got Florida versus Georgia, which is going to be a huge game in the college football scene. Both these teams still hoping to have a shot at the playoff picture. You look at just what Florida and Georgia have been able to do all year. Both teams only one loss, but have outstanding units whether it's florida's offense or georgia's defense this game is going to be incredible to watch starts at 3 30 eastern brian why don't you give us a little analysis on this game yeah the contrast of styles is really um is really incredible right uh it's 
Georgia's defense and it's Florida's offense, how they match up with uh, with the Kyles, and it's a completely a can't-miss game if you're interested in college football or the playoff, you know, at all. Georgia's defense is suffocating, but they haven't necessarily played, you know, an offense like this, and you could say the same for, for the Gators. My issue is the Bulldogs are missing two starters on the defensive line, and that could really make a difference because they are either going to have to force Kyle Trask into mistakes or their offense is going to have to score enough to keep up. And I'm not sure they can based on how, you know, Stetson Bennett has looked at times. So I'm going to take those three and a half points with Florida. They are a very popular pick. I would even, you know, I'd put them in a teaser so I could get even more points with them up over 10. And I'd feel extremely confident. But, um, you know, the trends say that the road team in this matchup has covered the spread uh, recently means that we're just, we're in for a tight game. Even if Georgia wins, I don't think it's by more than a field goal. So, you know, Florida and the points, trust the Kyles on the road in Athens. Uh, Brian, real quick before I jump into players to watch, do you think we see JT Daniels step into this game? You know, with <laughs> yes, I'm going to think of this as a little bit like a playoff baseball game. When you have a starter in there, if you see him struggle just a little bit in the playoffs, that manager is more likely to go to the pen right away. And I think you might see that here too, because let's face it, you know, the winner of this game is going to the SEC championship game and going to have their crack at Alabama. And so there, there really is going to, this is going to be pull out all the stops uh, in Athens on Saturday. Definitely a huge game. Players to watch for this game. Kyle Trask going against arguably the best defense he should face all year. Georgia's defense is phenomenal, and he is going to have to prove himself as a quarterback. A lot of people still have question marks about him as a QB, and I think this is a great way to prove it. That is kind of the theme of this week's preview. For the next player to watch, we got Eric Stokes going against Florida, and he is going to be matched up with Kadarius Toney, I would assume, all game. Both very speedy, very fast guys whether it's tony on the receiving end or stokes at cornerback this is going to be an excellent matchup to watch two nfl level talents that will both be drafted come this spring assuming both declare it will be very interesting to see how they go against each other and to see who comes out the winner in that specific matchup the next guy is richard lecount the third richard lecount third had a struggle of a game against alabama and i think against florida he's going to need to redeem himself whether it's covering the deep part of the field with Kadarius Tony, or whether it's coming up and cracking Kyle Pitts whenever he's about to make a catch, he's going to have to make his presence well-known in this game. And for the count, you have to have your great games. And you already didn't do this great against Alabama, so now you got to have a bounce-back game against Florida, which is a similar level of offense. I think LeCount's really a part of watch because this guy got out of the hospital two days ago. For some reason, he's riding around in a dirt bike and he gets hit by a car and goes flying miraculously he's okay, but that, I think that's going to impact his, his gameplay this week. I don't know why you'd be riding around in a dirt bike, though. It beats me, Michael. Hey, you know, you never know what, what to do whenever there's no classes going on. For the next game, the big one of the week, Clemson versus Notre Dame. Obviously, no Trevor Lawrence in this outing, but it is still going to be a bloodbath. Clemson just as competitive as before. We saw him last week, had a great game. Do we? DJ Uigalede is a phenomenal freshman quarterback. Got his first start under under his belt now and is ready to face off against Notre Dame. Brian, let's see a little analysis for it. Yeah, look, as Nick mentioned before, you know, I do root for Notre Dame, but I generally don't let that uh, get in the way of betting at all because, um, you know, I very rarely ever actually put money on Notre Dame. And part of that is – one of the things the public is going to key on and the fact that Notre Dame and big games don't really mix, right guys. Um, we've seen it against Clemson before uh, when, when the lights get bright, you know, Clemson really gets up to play the big games on their schedule and Notre Dame, you know, recent his history tells you under Brian Kelly, they just don't. Oh, and um, seven against the number one team is Brian Kelly in his career. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's going to be, that is really to me that, and uh, you know, the fact that, uh, Clemson still can score, will have people fading the Irish, but, and there is a but, Clemson struggled so much even with Trevor Lawrence against Syracuse, and then last week were so flat against Boston College. You know, as I said, when the competition gets good, they do normally step it up, but that's it. We're throwing caution to the wind. Notre Dame plus six. They are going to cover this spread. Maybe I regret this on Sunday. 
or late Saturday night, or maybe halftime of the game when Clemson's up by three touchdowns. Who knows? I know it's possible. But Notre Dame plus six, I would take them. I wouldn't go any lower than that. It's at five and a half at some sites. I'd start looking at Clemson there. But Notre Dame in the points. And if you are extra confident in the Irish, you know, plus 175 on the money line, you know, I wouldn't do it. I would take the six points, but I do think that this might be the game where Notre Dame, you know, lives up to their billing. Uh, another contrast of styles, though, right? Notre Dame is big, physical, wants to wear you down, and Clemson's got playmakers all over the place. I can't see this being anything but um, electric uh, until the point where Clemson gets up by 20, I guess. But in all seriousness, if I was making a bet, Irish plus six. I think, uh, you know, this game, of course, there are huge implications for the college football playoff. Uh, you know, Lawrence is out, so if Notre Dame wins, and they might have a chance in this one without Lawrence, then Clemson's got their path to the championship still because they'll get in with one loss. They'll say, oh, well, Lawrence was out and Notre Dame's good, so uh, ACC is going to be really happy there getting two teams in. You know, the Big 12, they're done after Oklahoma State lost. The Big 10 is probably just getting whoever their champion is, which is, is going to be Ohio State most likely. I don't see how a Pac-12 team gets in with such a limited schedule. But, hey, if Oregon is just blowing everybody out, maybe they get in over over a one-loss team. But if the one-loss team is Clemson, they're getting in over any one-loss SEC team, unless maybe it's Alabama. But then again, Clemson's a defending champ, so they'll be more likely to get in that scenario. But, Michael, who, who are we looking? Who are we keeping an eye on in this game? In this game, I think the big ones to watch, Ian Book, quarterback for Notre Dame. I really need to see something out of him in order to really elevate himself to that draftable status. And I think at the moment, I don't see it. And he could potentially be a day three guy that you bring in to be a backup on your roster. But right now, this is where you kind of make your case as a prospect. And at the moment, we'll we'll see. There's no better one to go against than Clemson and to really prove yourself. So having a great game will be huge for Ian Book's stock. I think the next one is Amari Rogers, the wide receiver for Clemson. Obviously, we know that he was the key piece for this offense once Justin Ross went down. And now with Trevor Lawrence out, he needs to be a star for the offense. Travis Etienne is going to produce almost regardless. So it falls on Rogers to be there for his freshman quarterback and to produce. And I think a game against Notre Dame with everyone watching is how you really develop your stock and really establish yourself as a legit receiver prospect in this class that is already so talented. The next guy to watch is Adetokounmpo Ogundeji, who is the, who's an edge rusher for Notre Dame. And you look at just how impressive he's been already this season with great numbers all throughout. And going against Jackson Carmen, that's how you really prove yourself as a prospect, is going against other great prospects. So right now, Ogundeji doesn't have the – overall hype that Carmen does or that other edge rushers do in this class. But if he comes out and puts together another great performance, then it's going to be something that a lot of people need to start paying attention to and also start really putting him on draft boards all throughout. Yeah, I think uh, this is the game of the week and everyone's going to be all eyes on this. I will, for some reason, have some eyes on Ohio State versus Rutgers, Brian. Rutgers, 38 point underdogs and i think you got to take Rutgers with the points here yeah if you're gonna make me choose nick i'm gonna take Rutgers with the points just because i think maybe when ohio state gets up by 28 they'll just hit the brake so hard um maybe take fields out of the game and it'll just slow down a bit i do think the scarlet knights can keep that one close enough yeah i think noah vedrell a quarterback has uh, has looked pretty pretty decent as the graduate transfer is able to move the ball up and down the the uh, the field. That I think th- he'll be in there the whole game. So at the end, if there's some garbage time, he should put some points up. What I don't understand though, Michael, maybe you can help me out here. Is if he's wearing number zero, why are they allowed to have another number zero on defense? Marcus has two guys with the number zero. I don't understand these college football numbers. Yeah, they've always just allowed one through ninety nine on offense, one through ninety nine on defense. So. It's always been kind of crazy for that, but it's definitely entertaining. In this week of college football, though, there are some great games out there. Liberty versus Virginia Tech is another one to keep your eyes on. Michigan versus Indiana is both. Both of these teams are ranked, so that is another great game. And then you look at what should be a very fun game between Texas and West Virginia, both very competitive Big 12 teams looking to 
take advantage of the falling apart Big 12, potentially win this game and get themselves in a spot to win that championship for the conference. So yeah. definitely some great games of college football this week. And I just want to say real quick to all the viewers, don't listen to Nick. Don't listen to Brian. Bet on Clemson. They're going to blow Notre Dame out. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why that. they're trying to make you waste your money. Clemson's going to blow them out of the water. I thought Brian does the betting on his own teams. He, you know, he's with the Jets and Notre Dame. and But he, he won big with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, yeah. uh, well, I – um. I really don't. I really generally stay away from teams that that's I like. That's the way to do it. They're so bad, you know. That's really the way to do it. Um, I'm trying to look at the Clemson game more based on how they played um, the last two weeks, but there is an argument to be made that they just have trouble getting up for inferior opponents, and when the lights get bright, Clemson turns it on. We've seen it um, a million times before. If there is ever a time where a Brian Kelly team is going to show up, I mean, this, this is, is it. it. Yeah, this is it. I mean, this is it. Brian Kelly's got to be saying a prayer before this game. Like, if I, if we are ever going to do anything in a big game while I'm the coach at this university, it is now. Please. Yeah, so, I think this, this would be this would be the week, uh, if anything. Uh, you know, Michael, are you ready to else on this game? No, nothing really about this game. But I will say for this week, there's one conference that is definitely coming out. And ready to play, and that is the Pac-12. And for this week's games, obviously we had to make a little edit on the photo as Arizona-Utah got canceled last minute. But there are some great marquee matchups to watch in this Pac-12 opening weekend of football. Let's start off with Arizona State versus USC. And for my marquee after breakfast, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. local uh, kickoff. Yeah, it'll be uh, definitely an early game for everyone. The marquee matchup to watch is Frank Darby, the wide receiver for Arizona State, going up against Elijah Griffin, the cornerback for USC. Both of these guys are definitely mid-round guys at the moment, not really getting as much love as they probably should be in terms of draft stock. And whoever can really outperform the other, outshine the other in this game, can really start to establish themselves as a legitimate prospect, potentially go day two. I think both these guys are going to be key pieces of their units, and it's going to be a great game. I think I got to go with USC in this game due to the fact that this offense is just looking great in terms of Tyler Vaughn's, Amon Amon Ross, St. Brown, and you look at also guys like Tyler Vaughn's and Kadon Slavis that should be great for this team. I'm going with Arizona State to win outright, so Brian uh, plus 10.5 in most places right now for Arizona State. I like that, and Darby I think is is one of the – if not the best quarterback in the conference, uh, he's definitely he's definitely one of the top two. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going into this uh, Pac-12 season. They're looking squarely at USC, and they're looking squarely at Oregon um, in the long run. Um, I think Oregon's about an eight point favorite or something like that and as you mentioned USC has crept up above 10 not sure if Arizona State wins outright but I would feel you know I wouldn't feel too badly with them plus the 10 and a half to be honest I'm not touching any of these Pac-12 games I think this conference is going to be absolutely wild this year we're gonna it's gonna be the wild west we're gonna no defense yeah, we're gonna see teams. Um, we're gonna see teams that should win lose. Teams that should lose win. Not sure about week one, but over the next month or so, I think we're gonna turn back when December starts and just say, "What the heck is going on with the Pac-12?" I'm all in on Herm Edwards. You play to win the game, and he's he's building a program there for Arizona State with Antonio Pierce, where they're gonna be in contention sooner rather than later for the Pac-12 year in and year out. Jaden Daniels is a great quarterback for this team, and they definitely have an offense that will be able to contribute and match what USC can bring to the table. But right now it's hard to match what USC's offensive firepower currently is. For the next game, we got UCLA versus Colorado, and I think the big matchup to watch in this one is Demetric Felton and and Nate Landman. Uh, Felton is a great running back, probably more of a scat back type whenever he gets to the NFL. But at the moment, he is definitely producing as a running back. Right now, he is stepping in for what is Joshua Kelly's main role, and he will be the key piece of this offense. You already know guys like Dorian Thompson-Robinson at the quarterback position. There's definitely pieces all over this offense. And for Nate Landman, he has produced year in, year out for Colorado's defense. He is going to be in for a big game to try to really establish himself as a well-rounded linebacker that will be required 
to shut down a Chip Kelly offense that is looking to really take its next step in the Kelly era of UCLA. Brian, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, UCLA and Colorado is uh, one of the games that I was looking at originally and said, would I want to bet on this game? And it would be really UCLA or bust because it's uh, they're minus six and a half. So that's kind of a number where you could still stick, um, you know, with them in case they just won by a touchdown. But like I said, there's just so many more questions and answers in week one no matter what. And now it's like a much delayed two months week one. I see UCLA coming out on top in this one, but I don't think I would place a bet against the spread on a PAC 12 game this week. Definitely an interesting situation for Colorado losing Mel Tucker in an off season. That is horrible to lose your head coach so late into the year. Now, new head coach, new team, new system, and not a lot of prep time to do it. The next game, probably the game everyone is going to keep their eyes on the most, Stanford versus Oregon. It is going to be a huge matchup, but the big matchup I'm focusing on is Michael Wilson versus Diamador Lenore. The wide receiver Michael Wilson and Lenore, the cornerback, are extremely impressive players for this class, and both probably should be getting some hype, especially following this performance. I think Wilson has a great frame at 6'2", 200 pounds, definitely a physical receiver. And Lenore is part of what was a very talented secondary, but now with Thomas Graham and Javon Holland both opting out, he is going to be the star of the secondary that needs to really raise up everyone else in this unit. So definitely a great matchup to watch. Oregon obviously has a lot of love in this game. The current over-under is 51, and the spread is minus 7.5 in favor of Oregon. Brian, what's your thoughts on this game, especially with Oregon's new secondary pretty much with everyone opting out? Yeah, I really feel like both teams have taken huge, uh, you know, are having seeing huge changes in their personnel. And, you know, I think we're used to seeing Stanford play these like sort of smash mouth games where some teams in the Pac-12 play low scoring games and other teams play very high scoring games. But I think this one's just going to, you know, just going to be a shootout. And if Oregon can create some holes for their running back, um, I think that, uh, you know, Oregon's going to wind up winning the game. But again, I would not be betting, um, you know, against the spread on any of these games because, you know, we're seeing both teams have so much turnover that it's just, you know, it's anyone's guess. Yeah, I think, oh, in general, Brian, you got to take the over in basically every game in the Pac-12. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend taking uh, unders in, in too many conferences in general. I mean, even even when I've seen some unders that I've liked, they all seem to have gone over. So I would just tell anybody, overs are more fun to root for anyway. Next week, you got to give us a Big 12 under. Yeah. Oh, a Big 12 under? Um, <laughs> well, not Texas. And, well, maybe, maybe if West Virginia can figure out a way to figure out Sam Ellinger, maybe that game. But I don't think so. Um no, no such thing as a Big 12 under. I'll actually admit uh, how silly I was and decided to take a matching under uh, this week just because it was their first game. And, you know, thinking teams will be rusty in their first game um, is sometimes, you know, a popular thought, you know, for betters. But it didn't work out because uh, Western Michigan scored about 100 points on Akron. So, you know, don't take any unders, people. <laughs> and what will be interesting in this matchup is the quarterback questions following this game. Oregon will not name their QB until that QB takes the field. And whether it's Tyler Shaw or Anthony Brown, both these guys definitely offer a lot of different skill sets and a lot of different question marks. Anthony Brown didn't produce to the level that you may have wanted at Boston College. Now he's here at Boston or at Oregon. And then Tyler Shaw is a true sophomore that hasn't really had a lot of snaps, 12-15 in his time at Oregon last year, but you know you can't really judge a QB off 15 snaps. I think Shao is going to be the starter, and it should be very interesting what happens. For the next matchup and our last one of the Big 12 preview, or Pac-12 preview, sorry, Washington State versus Oregon State. And really for either tackle, you could list them. Abraham Lucas is the one that I'm going with, but Liam Ryan is an especially talented offensive tackle for Washington State as well. And then Oregon State at the edge. Hamilcar Rashad Jr. is a monster. Last year, putting up dominant stats at the defensive line position, edge rusher, really. And really, when you look at this game, 
I think the big thing is a lot of people are so used to Oregon State not being a great team, but they have really started to come around as the years have come along. There's so much talent on this roster overall. Like we said, we shed 14 sacks last year, which is absolutely dominant for any edge rusher out there. And then you look at some of the other guys on this roster, like Jeremiah Jefferson, who are extremely talented running backs. So, yes, there's questions about Oregon State and about this overall roster, and they're currently down three and three points. But I think I like Oregon State in this matchup, especially with just how much returning talent they have, even though they're new at QB. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you that I didn't even get to um, I didn't even get to look at the uh, until we just started. He actually just said they were three point favorites. That's another game that uh, I would tell people to take the over. It's about sixty five points, and it's there for a reason. I don't think anybody's uh, going to get stopped, Michael and Nick. Well, guys, that is all we have for the Pac-12 preview, and that is all we have for today's show. Yeah, Brian, Obviously. tell everybody where to, where to go check some things out with bonus seekers. Well, look, anybody looking to bet on sports, if you're located in a state with legal sports betting and, you know, you're trying to figure out the sports book for you, bonusseeker.com. It'll give you, uh, you know, all the deals when you're signing up. Make sure that you get a great welcome bonus. All give you everything you need to know about every sports book out there. And if you're not in a state with legal sports betting, we actually have a link to a site called Fend Off Sports where you can still make picks and try to win real prizes. That's regardless of which state you're in. And there is one more thing I wanted to say about the Pac-12. I wanted to mention them uh, by name. This is really Michael's thing, but, you know, I don't really have a draft, um, you know, any guys I'm looking at for draft purposes. But Oregon running back C.J. Verdell is a small, like a, a small in stature. You know, he's only 5'10", but he's like a bowling ball out there. The guy's about 210 pounds and he picks up blocks. And that has to be a guy that if he has another thousand yard season, especially on an abbreviated schedule, you know, they're going to be looking at to draft him somewhere. No. Yeah. I'm a big CJ Verdell fan. He's I think right now my running back three behind the G Harris and Travis Etienne big fan of the guy. I think he's going to be very talented, especially whenever it comes to the NFL. Yeah. We're going to also keep an eye on this weekend. Of course, the, uh, the Steelers Cowboy game that should be a lot of fun, and uh, you know, Jets Patriots, will be, Jets Patriots will be really fun, and, and Giants uh, Washington will be fun as well. Uh, but yeah, what do you think, Michael? After this weekend, Coastal Carolina and BYU remain undefeated. I think both teams have a great chance to go undefeated this season. Yeah, I think both teams are very talented, and hopefully, they make whatever chaos is possible for the bowl selection committee, playoff committee, whatever, and. I, I always root for the mid-majors. I'm sadly not rooting for my guys at Liberty this week because I'm just such a Hendon Hooker fan at Virginia Tech. But other than, than Liberty, I'm really hoping for some big upsets this week and some of these uh, undefeated teams to continue on. Speaking of big upsets, if Rutgers wins, that's where we're leading the show if I'm one day, no doubt about it. <laughs> if Rutgers wins, then Noah Verdell is my QB1. He's got to he's 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 at least be a day three. Listen, if Coastal Carolina goes undefeated, then I want to see the Chanticleers in a New Year's Day bowl game. That's it. No questions asked. I don't care. Big yes. 10, Big 12, Pac-12. Get them out of here. Coastal Carolina, New Year's Day. Everyone wants to see it. Yeah. I just want to be Carolina. sure they don't play BYU. BYU I, I want to yeah. see them each get their own shot. Let them play at, USC. At big, yeah. Uh, yeah, Coastal Carolina, tight end Patrick McSweeney from Staten Island like me. Used to play on my softball team, so nice. Rooting for, yeah. rooting for Costa Carolina. Shout uh, out Patrick McSweeney. They also have a cool field too, that light blue turf. Yeah, very nice. Definitely wanted to check out. They're definitely a talented team. I, I have a big friend that's a huge fan of them, and he's always telling me to watch out for him. So watch out for him. I'm telling the world. I'll sell one more thing to the people. Um, Sunday night football. We just saw the on Monday night the Giants keep things close enough and cover the spread with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The New Orleans Saints are going to do the same thing, and they might actually win the game straight out. They're about five-point underdogs. Take the New Orleans Saints, and I'm also thinking that despite the practice facility closing uh, for the Texans, uh, the Jaguars are awful, and uh, Deshaun Watson's going to put on a show. Taking the, I'm taking the Saints to win as well, and I'm going to take the Jets with the points this week. Good luck. I'd say your bet of the week is to take Giants. They're going to beat the Washington football team and really just 
throw chaos into the draft order. Anyway, Nick Durst, Brian Salsa, Michael Rockman, here from Destination Draft Day. It's a long road, but we're getting you through it. Everyone, take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.